Well, it's January. And in January, most of us begin to do that kind of thinking where we review the year that we just came through and we think about the good times and the bad times. We think about all the frustrations of the past year and we think about the next year and we think about what could be different for us in the next year. It's not just a new year, it's a whole new decade. So now you're thinking about the previous 10 years. You're going all the way back to 2010. And you ask yourself the questions, man, alive, think about what I was like in 2010. I could make a whole bunch of, a whole list of all the ways that I am a different person now than I was in 2010. I mean, there's so much different, different about this church, different about me as a person, different about my family. Back 10 years ago, I didn't have any kids in high school and now I have a kid in college. I mean, it's a remarkable thing for me to think about all the changes that our life goes through in just 10 years. And so now it's 2020. And of course, there's the obvious pun that every pastor today is going to be making about 2020 being almost a palindrome, but not, no, no, it's the vision thing, you know? Everybody's going to be like, oh, 2020 vision. So we're not doing a 2020 vision series because that's just too obvious. We're doing something else, something different, but it's 2020 and I know you're thinking it. You're thinking, man, I just wish, wish I could see clearly what this next 10 years would be. And maybe you're the goal-setting kind of person. You're like, I don't care if I can predict the future. I'm going to make the future. And so you're looking ahead. And every one of us is like that. We look in the past. Now we look to the future. And we're like, what kind of person do I want to be? The bottom line is, every one of us wants to be that person 10 years from now, next year. None of us wants to wait 10 years for the 10-year advancement to happen. We want 10 years worth of advancement to happen now, to happen this year. How many of you would love to just be, don't raise your hand, snap your fingers and the thing that you're thinking about right now that would be your hope, your dream, your goal for 2020, if it would happen now without any of the intermediate stuff? Would you like to lose 10, 20, 30 pounds and have it just be done like that? Would you like to have all these uh, additional wealth or something along those lines? There are all kinds of things that we want and we want to microwave fast. And microwave is too too slow. I want an instant pot. <laughs> Just, I mean, actually the microwave's fast, but anyway, we want everything fast, 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 fast. And the problem is that we know we can't get it. And so we do something, all of us do something that I want to talk about for just a little bit. First of all, I want to ask you this question. What kind of person do you really want to be? Now, I know you've got your own list, but I'm going to put up on the screen a list, just a list. It's not necessarily my list. It's not necessarily your list. It's just a list of some of the things that you might want to be true in your life. I'll just put them up here. It's, you might want to be wealthy. You might want to be healthy. You might want to be successful or productive. You might want to be attractive. You might want to be happy. I don't know exactly what it is for you, what your list might be, but I'm imagining some of these things are on your list. And maybe you would add a few, maybe you would take a few away. But here's the thing, because we know every one of these things takes slow, hard work, and because we want them now, every one of these has a fake alternative that we are tempted towards. Let me show you. I'll put the list up on the left-hand side here. If you want to be wealthy, an easy fake alternative is to go into debt. 
If you want to be healthy, an easy fake alternative is to just find some kind of effort that makes you feel like maybe you're making progress, just a little bit of discomfort. Some of you, you're going to be like, I'm going to go vegan this year. Some of you are like, I'm going to go work out. It's not really about being healthy. It's just about doing the one thing that makes you feel uncomfortable so that you have an excuse to do all the rest of this stuff. Like when I go on the treadmill in the morning and I burn 200 calories, and then later on that day, I ate 600 calories of cookies. I feel like I'm doing myself a favor, but I know I'm not. It's just the way my, way my life works. You know, a one little bit of effort can solve the whole health problem. Or maybe I want to be successful, but I'll settle with just a little bit of power. I would love to be successful in my life, but if I could just have one area where I'm in total control of that person or that situation, maybe that'll satisfy me. I want to be productive, but I'll be settling for busyness. I would like to do something really good with my life and produce something, but I'm tempted to the easy out, the shortcut of busyness. I want to be attractive, but I'll just do the shortcut of spending more money on clothing and haircuts and whatever kind of cosmetics uh, you want to use in your life. Uh, I, I don't know. Whatever kind of thing it is, the shortcut to attractiveness is just good grooming. Or, or maybe for you, it's happy. But you know, happiness is elusive, and so you take the shortcut of entertainment. I don't know if I'm speaking your language, but this is definitely me. This is definitely me. I look at all these things that are in white, and I say to myself, those are hard work. But I have a shortcut that helps me feel like I'm making progress towards these other things, even though I know I'm not. And every one of these shortcuts is a shortcut that you and I fall into. And you probably have your own, and I've got others as well. But what if I told you, The thing you already know, the shortcut never gets you to what you want. And in fact, there's a far better way. Because maybe wealthy, healthy, successful, productive, attractive, and happy, maybe those things are actually shortcuts. Maybe those things aren't exactly where you need to be. In fact, maybe there's more than each one of these. I want to flip the script a little bit and give you another list of what I think is the better to shoot for, the more to shoot for. Uh, what, what about this? If instead of being wealthy, you actually experienced abundance. See, you can have a whole ton of money. Right now, I have so much more money than I did when I was 17, and yet I don't necessarily feel more abundant than I did when I was 17. It's not the money that makes my life feel abundant. It's something else. How do you experience abundance in your life? It's not wealth. It's something more than wealth. Healthiness. I don't just want to be healthy. What I would like is a long life, maybe even an eternal life. A life that I could experience so much more. I don't want to just be successful. What if I told you you could actually be influential? It's not just you achieving some goal for yourself, but you could actually achieve goals for other people. You don't want to just be productive. What you'd really want to do is be wise. Now, wise, remember, the definition of wise is knowing the right thing to do and doing it. That's ultimately what productivity means. It means I'm going to do the right thing at the right time. If I could always do the right thing at the right time, I wouldn't even think about productivity because I know I'd be doing the right thing at the right time. Wisdom is far more important. And productivity. Being attractive. Sure, being attractive is great, but what if people respected me? Wouldn't that be even better? What if I was winsome? What if people wanted to be near me because of me, not just because of how I looked? Or 
happy. We all know happiness is elusive, but what if I could be joyful? You see, here's the truth. We think that the things in white are our goals. And because we think the things in white are our goals, we are willing to take the shortcut that feels like the thing in white, even though it's not. And so we're willing to go into debt. We're willing to focus on body image. We're willing to focus on some of these things when we don't even really want the things in white. What we really want is these other things, these more things. What if I told you today that pursuing the more list is easier and faster than even the shortcuts? What if I were able to tell you that this next year you could finish this year with everything on the more list? You might never get the white list. Who cares about the white list? But you might finish everything on the more list. You might have all of that and you could get it sooner. Sure, if you wanted to go into debt tomorrow, you could probably go into debt. Some of you already are. I certainly am. And so you could easily do the debt thing. That's an immediate thing. But what if I told you in just a short period of time, you could have all of the mores? It's an interesting claim, isn't it? Wouldn't you want to shoot for it? Well, I'll tell you what. This month, I'm going to give you the answer for how to achieve all of the mores. And the answer for how to achieve all the mores, you're not going to, you're not going to like it. Um, it's fasting and prayer. Um, that's how you go faster. Because fasting and prayer are faster. See what I did there? Yeah, you like that? It took some of you a little bit of time to, to get there. But you, fasting and prayer are faster. <laughs> okay, that was a lame dad joke. Don't even bother with that one. But here's the point. Here's the point. I firmly believe that these two disciplines, the, the combined discipline of fasting and prayer, are the exact thing that you need to accelerate your spiritual growth. And that accelerating your spiritual growth is what brings all of these more items into your life. The more items are all based on your spiritual growth. And they are not based upon your wealth or your job or any of the other things that you might worry about or pursue. They are based on something in your soul. And in order to get those things in your life the fastest way possible, the microwave level way, is by engaging in a few spiritual disciplines. And the most fundamental of these are fasting and prayer. Now, I know some of you are already worried because I'm talking about fasting. And I tell you what, just even saying the word makes me hungry. I'm thinking there's a whole pile of bread over here and I could just, you know, go for it and, and stuff. You know, fasting is one of the things that as soon as a pastor starts talking about it, people tend to be like, whoa, this is one of those days or money. It's the other one. And I'm just going to talk about both of them today because I figured why not just annoy you all? I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender as much as possible. But I want to take you to a passage that I think absolutely gives us the core understanding of what we need to live lives that are faster as opposed to live lives that are shortcuts. The core understanding comes from a passage of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. I want to share this with you, beginning in verse 25. We'll put it up on the screen. Jesus is talking. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. So here he is. He's starting off, and he says, don't worry. And all of us showed up at New Year's Day 2020 with all kinds of worry. We're worried about whether or not we're going to keep a resolution that we made. We're worried about whether we're going to keep our job or whether we're going to get the raise. We're worried about all kinds of things. And Jesus says, don't worry. 
And he mentions food and clothing. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And he keeps going. He says, "Any are you uh, not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Pause there for just a moment. Jesus is saying the opposite of faith is worry. You see, what Jesus is trying to point out to you is a secret that is so true, but so difficult for us to believe. I'll tell you the lie that we believe. The lie we believe is that I am responsible to take care of myself. See what Jesus says. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. The people who don't believe in God at all run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is amazing to me. Because what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that there is a way for you to get what you need. But the way for you to get what you need is to not pursue what you need. The way for you to get what you need, you're aware of the need for food and clothes, and the way for you to get what you need is to pursue something completely different. You see, the truth of the matter is, in order for us to get to where we want to go, we have to say no to something. And Jesus is telling us that the thing that you think you need is the thing you need to say no to. The thing you think you need is the thing you need to say no to. Because see, Jesus says, if you pursue food, the most you'll ever get is food. And if you pursue clothing, the most you'll ever get is clothing. But there is a better way. Pagans run after the food. Pagans run after the clothing. Pagans run after the stuff. But some people know better. Now, this is a challenging thing. Because I know when uh, Jesus is talking about food and clothing and stuff, it really, for me, is a symbol of all the other worries that I have. You know, I don't worry too much about clothing. My mom buys me a lot of good stuff. Uh, Still, to this day, because Christmas comes around and I get really great clothes at Christmas and that's just fine. And I wear the same things all year long, so who cares? But maybe maybe it's different for you, I don't know. But So I'm not too worried about clothing because I got a good mom. I'm also not too, and my sister's now buying stuff for me. So I'm also not, not too worried about food. You know why? Because I live in America. 
I'm not too worried about food. And even if our pantry would ever get bare, I would still have the opportunity to go somewhere to a food pantry or go to a, uh, some place that would be feeding the homeless or whatever. I, food is something that I'm not necessarily worried about. Even people in this world who are, in our country at least, who are really impoverished, food is something that they have available to them in a lot of different ways. Now, granted, there are a lot of hungry kids. There are a lot of people who are worried about that kind of stuff, but it's not my worry. You know what I mean? You know what I worry about? I worry about money. I worry about whether or not I'm going to have enough money. I worry about health. I worry about my children. I worry if I'm going to have enough money for my children. I worry if I'm going to have enough money for my health. I worry about those things. But even though Jesus is talking about food and clothing, I want you to know, I believe he's talking about all the worries. Because your heavenly father knows what you need. Jesus says this line at the end of that passage, that is a line you have memorized, even if you haven't memorized it, you know it. But it's not comforting. I'll put it up on the screen here, share it with you. Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. You've heard that phrase before. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Jesus says, each day has enough trouble of its own. And it's a sad kind of statement. Don't worry about tomorrow because there's a lot to worry about today. You know, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today. That's not Jesus's point. Because Jesus has actually finished saying something amazing. There are three things that I want you to get from what Jesus just said. Three things I'm going to highlight for you. First of all is from this verse. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Write this down. Jesus is saying to you that you are worth God's attention. Now let me say that again. You are worth God's attention. The creator of the universe... is paying attention to you. He thinks you are more valuable than all the rest of his creation. You are worth God's attention. Look at this next verse. Jesus said this, the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. God knows just what you need. He knows what you need, exactly what you need. He knows the things that you need that you don't know that you need. And the things that you think you need, he already knows whether you need it or not. He knows what you need. Look at this next one. Jesus says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Write this down. God will give you all of it. God is making a promise to you that he will give you 100% of your needs. Now that is an interesting claim. As a matter of fact, if you pay close attention to scripture, you will find out that God has promised that he will give you 110% of everything that you need because then he asks for 10% back. And so since God is already planning to give you 110%, he knows what you actually need and he knows well enough to give you even more so that when you return back to him what he's asked for, you have everything that you need. That's what Jesus is saying. God has everything and he knows everything that you need and he's ready to give you all of it. There's just one problem. One problem is what Jesus said at the beginning of that last verse we looked at. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the real challenge, isn't it? 
It means putting God's kingdom above all the stuff in my kingdom. God's kingdom above all of the stuff I'm worried about. But this is interesting. Jesus says, if you seek God first, all the rest of the stuff will follow. And the rest of the stuff isn't all the stuff you might want. It's definitely all that you need. So in other words, if you put God first, then all the rest of the stuff follows. And the stuff that follows is all the stuff that you need so that then you look at that stuff and your priorities change. And you're like, well, this is the stuff that God brought to me. That's the stuff God didn't bring to me. Therefore, that's the stuff I don't need. This is the stuff I do need. And so if God comes first, everything else falls into place. But here's the challenging thing. In order for that to be true in my life, if I put God first and let everything else follow in its place, what I'm doing is I'm saying yes to something and I'm saying no to something else. I'm saying yes to God and I'm saying no to all the things that compete with him. This is getting close to the heart of what fasting and prayer are really all about. I'll come back to that in just a little bit. But saying yes to God and no to all the things that compete with God is the beginning point of receiving everything that you need as fast as possible. Now, I know you asked the question, well, wait a minute, can I trust God? You you didn't ask that question out loud because, of course, we're in church and it's not appropriate to ask the question, can I trust God, out loud because someone in the church is going to be like, you're not allowed to ask that question. So I'll ask the question for you, okay? So can I trust God in this? If I pursue God and I stop pursuing all the rest of this stuff, can I trust God that I will have what I need in the time that I need it? My claim to you is that God is a better giver than you are. God has more resources than you do. God is more capable to bring your needs into your life than you are. God is more able to understand the difference between your needs and your wants than you are. And so in other words, the only person to trust in this situation is God instead of you. And let me show you what Jesus has to say in the very next chapter. So we were just in Matthew chapter 6. If you keep reading just a few verses later, you end up with this verse in chapter 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who no- to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's the deal. When you think about saying yes to God and no to the stuff in the world, a lot of us ask ourselves the question, wait a minute, is God trustworthy? That's a, that's a valid question, I think, for you to actually ask and wonder about. But there's also this other question, why am I doing it? Why is God demanding this of me? Why does God demand that I put him so much above all the rest of the stuff? Is it because God is demanding? No. It's because God is the giver. And see, you've got a choice. You can grab or you can receive. Those are the only two options. 
You can grab or you can receive. And because God is a giver, he is ready to give to anyone. According to Jesus, these are his words, not mine. He is ready to give to anyone who asks. But those who take may never get. Do you see the difference? In order to ask, that's me saying, God, you come first, and I will come to you for all my needs, rather than trying to get them myself. I'll tell you, um, I don't need to do this in a car anymore because I have a GPS. But when I was younger, before the GPS thing was popular and before I had a smartphone, I was absolutely committed to this principle. I'm a guy, and when I'm driving... I stop at gas stations and ask for directions. I was firmly committed to this principle. Do you know why I would do this? Because you get there faster. If you, there was one day that I didn't ask directions. And Jen and I were trying to find Ikea in Chicago. We were like 20 miles away from Ikea. And yet, for whatever reason, I decided to go without a map. And so we drove out there, and we got ourselves lost in some industrial wasteland. I have no idea what in the world this place was. And we were driving in circles, driving in circles, and I just could not figure anything out. At one point, Jen and I were arguing at each other. I pulled over the side of the road. We're looking at paper maps, and we're like disturbed with each other and all this kind of stuff. And there was no gas station for me to ask. But other than that time, whenever I've needed directions... I am willing to to ask the guy behind the gas station. Right now, when I go into Best Buy, most of the time I don't want anyone to talk to me. And so I'll try to stump the guy and let him leave me because he knows that he can't answer my questions. But sometimes I need something. And what I do is I walk in there and I just find a blue shirt right then and I go straight at him and I ask him, you know why? Because it's faster. Asking is faster than trying. And God says the same thing. He says, if you really want what you need, stop trying to get it. Ask. So here's what I'm going to do for you. Today, I'm going to try to give you four yeses and four noes that help you put God at the top so that everything else will fall into place. Four yeses and four noes. And here's the principle. The heart of fasting is saying no to something. Now, this week, uh, we're going to be talking about fasting in our time of our 21 days. So actually, today is day number one. And if you don't have the the book, because we didn't get them by now, they're coming in tomorrow. If you come tomorrow morning for our prayer time, you'll get one of the books. We bought uh, almost 100 of them to give away for free. But there's also an app on the store. So if you go to the app stores and you search for 21 days of prayer and fasting, the app is on the app stores. And so you can get the app and you can follow along the devotional that way. There's only one problem. If you do that, I get 20 cents for each, each download. The, the writer, the author gets 50 cents. Apple gets 30 cents and I get 20 cents. So uh, full disclosure, if you, if you do the app, I, I'm making a little bit of money. But anyway, so here's the deal. We're going to be passing out these books tomorrow so you can follow along. Fasting is one of the principles that we're going to be asking you to engage in. But the reason we're doing that is because the heart of fasting is saying no to something. And the heart of prayer is saying yes to God. And so I'm going to give you four yeses and four noes. Here we go. We'll do this as quickly as we can. First of all, you're going to say yes to God's word and no to your understanding. Yes to God's word and no to your understanding. 
And you know what that means? That means you're not opening up the Bible and reading the Bible and being like, I know what that means. And then someone else says, no, it doesn't mean that. It means something else. And you go, no, I know what it means. No, trusting the Bible and not your own understanding means that I don't even trust my own understanding about the Bible. I don't even trust my own understanding about the news. I don't trust my own understanding about the politics. I don't trust my own understanding about the Facebook stuff I read. I don't trust my own understanding about anything. I trust God's word. And if God says something clear enough for me to understand it, and if other people agree with me on this understanding, and it's clear enough, then that's something I'm going to trust. But if there's something that I don't know and you don't know and we're debating each other, I'm not going to waste all my energy trying to prove my point to you. I'm going to trust God's word where it's clear and where it's not clear, I'm going to keep wrestling with it. I'm going to settle into it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to talk to people about it. I'm going to be in a group of other people with it because I'm going to trust God's word over my own understanding. Let me show you this verse from Proverbs. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You want health? You want nourishment? Here you go. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear God and shun evil. There's a lot of people in our world today who are wise in their own eyes. So are you every time you begin to type a comment on Facebook. So here's the deal. Just admit it. We're all stupid. Admit it. We need to trust God's word, not our own understanding. Number two, I want you to say yes to God's kingdom and no to your kingdom. Yes to God's kingdom and no to your kingdom. Well, what's your kingdom? I'll tell you, your money and your time. Your money and your time are your kingdom. Your wealth, your possessions, and your time. That's your kingdom. How do you say yes to God's kingdom and no to your kingdom? Well, I'll just read a few verses for you. Back in Proverbs, in chapter 3, not verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, but 9, we read this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. I take my wealth, I put it in God's hands, and the produce comes more greatly. That's an interesting promise. Look at this next verse. It's not just Proverbs. It's all over the place. Look at this next verse. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus says it. It's either God or your money. One of the two. And if you're going to put God on the yes column, you have to say no to the money column. Look at this next passage. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You think, I need money so that I can enjoy my life. No, you don't. You need God so you can enjoy your life because God is the one who richly provides things for your enjoyment. Do you realize that God knows what you need and more? Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added. Look at this next verse. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
whether it's with your money or with your time or with your energy, whatever you invest in God's kingdom is never wasted. Never wasted. Say yes to God's kingdom, no to your kingdom. Number three, say yes to God's son and no to your works. Every one of us has this idea that we have to somehow earn our favor with God. We have to somehow prove to God that we're worthy, that we have to somehow prove to God that he should love us. And yet time and time again, we need to remember, no, Jesus came to die on the cross because I'm not worthy. But because he died, he has given me forgiveness. And so I'm not going to trust my efforts. I'm going to trust him. Why does this make a difference? I'm a pastor. Listen, it would be so much easier for me if I just told you in order for you to go to heaven, you had to give more money to the church. It's easier for me to say that. And if if I did that, the church would have more money. There are a lot of churches in this world who say something similar to that. You need to give money. You need to do this, that, or the other thing. And then you get to go to heaven. If I said those things, we'd have more money. That's the way things work. People are afraid and they give money when they're afraid and they, they do more volunteering when they're afraid. If I said every one of you had to work in Kidopolis or you're going to hell, some of you would leave the church, but others of you would start working in Kidopolis. I tell you what. So it's easier to tie your works into your relationship with God. The problem is I can't do that. So why would a pastor be telling you that you shouldn't do it either? It's because it's the truth. You're a better person when you're living by grace and pursuing love. And you would be a better Kidopolis worker if you were back there because you chose to be. Look at this next verse. Jesus (laughs) teaches us, and Paul goes farther. He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't get there unless you receive God's gift. And if you haven't received his gift, today's your day. Let me give you the last thing. I want you to say yes to God's gifts and no to your desires. During this 21 days, I think you should fast from something. I think you should leave something behind. Perhaps fasting for you is going to take 10% of your income and give it to the church as a tithe. Perhaps fasting for you is going to ingest fewer calories. Perhaps fasting for you is going to be spending less time on social media, less time with a technological device. Perhaps fasting for you is going to spend more time with a relative. I don't know what fasting is for you. Saying no to something is ultimately about me saying yes to God's gifts and no to my own desires. It goes like this. God I want that thing, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to receive whatever gift you bring into my life. And I'm going to thank you for it. And I'm going to spend more time thanking God for the gifts and less time thinking about the wants. Let me show you this last verse. Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Fasting is saying an intentional no to something. Prayer is saying an intentional yes to God. What I hope for you over these next 21 days is that you accelerate your spiritual growth by saying no to some very key things and saying yes to God. You might need to say no to just a little bit of sleep so you can say yes to 6 a.m. prayer with us. 
you might need to say no to a little bit of late night something or other so you can go to bed early so then you can be awake at 6 a.m. to come to prayer with us. I, I don't know what that might be for you, but I'll tell you this. I want you to start the process right now. What does it mean for you to say no to yourself and yes to God? On your Connect cards, there are some post-it notes. And I would like for you to use either one of them. The colors don't mean anything here. Either one of them or both of them. To write down prayer requests, your reflections to today. Maybe your prayer request is, God, I need to say no to this thing, but it's going to be hard. Maybe your prayer request is, God, I need you to move in in my life in this particular way, but I don't know how it's going to be. But I want you to jot down on one or both of them. And then as you come forward for communion, receive communion, give your offering, and then put the post-it notes on the walls on either side of the room so that all week long we can be praying for those things. So you might not want to put your name down. You might want to put your name down. But I want to invite you to spend a few moments right now in reflection. Say, God, what is it for me? How do I say yes to your kingdom and, and no to mine? How do I say yes to you and no to me? And then I invite you to come forward, receive communion, the gift of God's love for you. Bring your offering, a testament of your gratitude to him. And put your requests on the wall so we can be praying together all month long. Let me pray for you right now. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.